You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Donald Hoffman. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. I think that the standard view that consciousness is a product of brains isn't correct because I think that our best physical theories tell us that space and time are not fundamental. Space-time is doomed. So that's on the physics side. Physicists are saying that space-time is not fundamental for very principled reasons, falling out of Einstein's theory of gravity and quantum field theory. And then there are results from evolution of natural selection that my colleagues and I have, have also gotten that indicate on evolutionary grounds that space and time and objects cannot be fundamental. They're more like a user interface. Evolution shaped our senses to be more like a user interface and not a window on reality. So in that case, our perception of objects in space and time is not a perception of the truth. It's a perception of icons in an interface that we evolved by natural selection. And so those icons only exist when we create them. We, we create them on the fly as we need them, just like in virtual reality, the things that you see in virtual reality. I see a car when I turn my headset that way, and I see the car that I create. When I turn my headset that way, the car disappears. It only is there when I create it. And so the same thing is true of neurons and brains. They exist when we look and they don't exist when we don't. So they're not even there to create our conscious experiences. So consciousness then I'm thinking of as fundamental. So instead of being a late byproduct of evolution, rather that evolution itself and physics itself is telling us that space-time cannot be fundamental. It's, it's doomed as a fundamental concept. And physicists are looking for deeper structures and deeper theories beyond space-time. And that's what my team and I are looking at as well. We're proposing that a mathematical model of consciousness per se could be a more fundamental framework than space and time. And that more fundamental framework could give rise to space and time. So in fact, no description that we could give of the truth can ever be it. And this is, it turns out that this is a theorem from Kurt Gödel, 1930, 1931 or so. He proved that if you have any mathematical system, a formal system where you have a finite set of axioms and then all the things that you could prove from those axioms. And if that system is sophisticated enough, powerful enough to entail all the axioms or, or the theorems of arithmetic, then he showed that there will always be statements that you can see are true but cannot be proven within that finite set of axioms that you have. And so that's interesting. These are unprovable truths. So this is a truth that transcends your mathematical framework. So you might say, well, okay, well, I'll just take that truth that transcends my mathematical framework. I'll add it into my framework. So now it's part of my basic assumptions. Then Gödel says, then I'll show you another truth that can't be proven even with your new axiom system. And so this goes on ad infinitum. And what that means is that any conceptual notion that we have will only scratch the surface of the whole realm of truths. There's this, in some sense, an infinite intelligence of truth that completely transcends, in principle transcends, any description, any finite description that we can give. A finite, in the sense that we're, we start with a finite set of axioms and are developing based on certain rules, the implications of those axioms. So in that sense, there is no one description of truth because truth, we now know, we have a theorem that says that no description of truth is it because every description that we can give has a finite axiomatization. And it, you, Gödel's incompleteness theorem therefore says, oh, well, there'll be truths that completely transcend anything that you could derive from your axioms that you could explain from your assumptions. So I agree, and it's not just mathematics, I think it's also in scientific 
These are the most precise theories that people come up with and the ones that we try to test. And scientific theories also have the same flavor. I think it comes deeply from Gödel's incompleteness theorem, but you can see it independently in another way that scientific theories say, grant me these assumptions. And you have a few assumptions that you ask people to grant you. And then you say, I'll explain all this neat stuff. If you, so grant me these assumptions, I'll explain all this other good stuff. And that's the way scientific theories always go. They always have assumptions and then they explain other things. Now you might say, I can, of course, come up with a deeper theory that explains the assumptions of your theory. And that's great. But then your new theory has its own assumptions. And so this is a never ending cycle of perhaps deeper and deeper theories with deeper assumptions. And so I agree with you that we should hold what we call truth um, carefully, that we should not be dogmatic. Dogmatism, in some sense, is the biggest obstacle here because what we're seeing is that truth is, in some sense, a pathless land. And so anything that we state in either scientific or religious frameworks, spiritual frameworks, will always be only a partial description and will maybe give us some pointers that are good on truth. It will also miss other things that, that are really important. The idea of the multiverse, is, as you all know, is a pretty big idea in physics right now. Physic many physicists are thinking about interpreting quantum theory in terms of a multiverse or a many worlds interpretation. Max Tegmark, for example, has the idea that there's what he calls a level four multiverse. He thinks that mathematics is fundamental. So the fundamental reality is just mathematics. And in some sense, Gödel's incompleteness theorem says that there's endless mathematics. There's no end to mathematical exploration. And so that's Tegmark's multiverse. Whatever is mathematically possible is actual. So all the mathematics that we've never even explored because, well, no matter how much we explore, we've only begun, right? In principle, we could explore for trillions of years. We will have only scratched the surface, if that. So this multiverse truly transcends our concrete imagination. But I take a different view. I like this multiverse idea, but completely different from the way the physicists are thinking about it. Yes, we see from Gödel that there's this unlimited variety of mathematical structures. And if consciousness is all there is, if consciousness is fundamental and that's all that there is, then the only thing that mathematical structure could be about is about the possible varieties of consciousness and its, and its experiences. So in, in that case, there could be a multiverse of all the possible varieties of conscious structures and experiences that consciousness can, in principle, endlessly explore. And maybe that's what it's all about. It's the endless exploration of the literal endless variety of possibilities of consciousness. So the difference between Tegmark's view and this view is that Tegmark takes mathematics to be the fundamental reality. I'm taking consciousness to be the fundamental reality. And mathematics is more like the bones of the living organism of consciousness. It's not the whole thing. It's the bones. You, you need bones provide our body with structure, but it's, we're not just bones. We're far more than that. And so I, that's just an analogy. I think that there's something really deep there that I don't understand on the relationship between mathematics and consciousness. I would say that one of the most important things I'm, I'm learning right now is this balance between conceptual thought on the one hand, thinking, and stepping out of thought altogether and just being present in silence and going back and forth. When I'm present to my environment in silence, then I'm in touch with a deeper intelligence that is not separate from me, it, it is me. But when I, and then I can bring that back into my thinking. But most of our thoughts, if we're not watching our thoughts, most of our thoughts are actually complaints 
and judgments and they're dysfunctional. Most of our thinking is, is automatic and dysfunctional. So learning to let go, to don't believe your thoughts, watch your feelings. This is really what life I think is about. Learning to not believe your thoughts, watch your thoughts, see their patterns and learn that you are not at the whim and beck and call of your thoughts. You can watch your thoughts and you can choose to let go of thoughts and just be present and let go of the complaints. And that then opens up a level of creativity that's surprising. It, it could be in dance, it could be in science, it could be in music or art, but wherever you have creative expression, letting go of thought and having this balance between thinking and no thinking, going into complete silence and then pulling ideas back for your art, your science, your dance, whatever it might be, is really the dance of life. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thanks for listening.